Betterment. Yes, the largest and fastest growing automated investing service designed with revolutionary technology to promote smarter investing, better returns, and to minimize your taxes now, later, and throughout retirement. Betterment, investing made better. Get up to six months free by visiting Betterment.com slash money. And if you love this show, you will go to Betterment.com slash money and sign up today. So let's get this show started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. All I ask is a chance to prove that money can't make me happy. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Ah, oh, good, man. Good. I'm getting a little fancy. I've got um, my old fashioned, you know, some bourbon, bitters, uh, a little bit of uh, like orange juice zest. Uh, it's pretty tasty. Yeah, it sounds really. Is that old, what, what kind? Of, what, what kind of bourbon are you using? Uh just bullet. Just, just bullet. bullet okay. You know, you know, standard. Uh, but I, we have friends who are like really into the whole bitters and and. So they were teaching Laura, and I think we might we might go down that path a little bit. Did you put like the bitters on the sugar cube and all that, and then muddle the orange and 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 things? No. Yeah, so we we didn't have a sugar cube, so we just put like some sugar in. Okay, but uh, we we actually have like legit bitters and stuff, so it's not like fully you know cocktail lounge style, but you right. know get, getting there. Got to buy a nice muddler. Uh, there's actually uh, you have Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. There's a show called Mind of a Chef. And there's an episode, I don't remember which episode it was, but they teach you how to make like a really awesome old-fashioned with bitters and a sugar cube, and it's like the natural sugar cube and um, any type of bourbon, really. And it's only bourbon mm-hmm. and oranges, but you don't use, like you don't uh, muddle the, the rind, you only muddle the fruit part. So you put like an orange, you know, slice in the glass and right. it's it has this whole thing. You have to watch it. It's the coolest way I've ever seen to make an old fashioned. And apparently, huh. it's like the most legit way to make one. You know, I, I'm like uh, obsessed with good cocktails, so I think I need to check that. Yeah, out. Yeah, it's Mind of a Chef. It's on Netflix. It stars David Chang. He's like a uh, the chef, this noodle chef, and it's a really good show. Uh, and you should check it out because it has awesome stuff on it. And it's a show. All right, and it's narrated. What by, are you drinking, dude? It's narrated by Anthony Bourdain. I am drinking nothing. I literally have nothing on my desk. Well, no one's surprised with that. No, no one's surprised. And because I like was <laughs> I was just I was actually doing some stuff prior to this episode because uh, we have some guests on the show today today and we're talking about a very timely topic. I mean, at least for right now it's timely. Uh, we're talking about the Affordable Care Act, or for those of you who don't know what that is, and apparently a lot of people don't know what that is, it's also called Obamacare, which I don't like to use, but hey. That's what they call it. That's even how that's even how the Obama administration is branding it now on t- well, television. When you call it Obamacare, then at least we all know to hate it. Yeah, sure, of course. So, uh, <laughs> what's here's what's funny. So, I'm going to I'm going to bring these guys on. We've had these guys on the show before. It's uh, Todd Berkeley and John Young and they have a website called HSA Consulting Services and Todd, what is your book again? Sort to remind everybody. It's called the uh, HSA Owner's Manual. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, the, the site that uh, your listeners will want to look at is the AskMrHSA.com. So right. If you have any, I usually uh, focus on health savings accounts, which are very much related to what's going on with Obamacare or the ACA. So, Todd and John, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to be back. Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, I need Obamacare. I need it. I need it right now. And here's the problem. Uh, before you guys came on, I went to healthcare.gov. 
And I've already signed up for an account like on April 1st of uh, 2014, and that was after the enrollment period, and I didn't realize that, but you know, here we are. Um, and so I go to sign in, and it won't take my username and password, and it says that my account was disabled or locked, and it said to call this number, so I called the number, and I said, hey, I need to get my account uh, reinstated. And he says, cool, I would love to be able to help you out with that. Unfortunately, our operating systems are down, and we can't help you right now. And I thought, oh shit, is this going to happen again this year? Is this we're we going through all this stuff? And he's like, I hope not. But you know, here we are, and I technically cannot get health insurance right as we speak. Oh, bummer. So what's the deal with that? What's what the hell is going on? Well, bummer that you don't have anything to drink on your desk. I know, and, and you can't get into. Uh healthcare.gov. I can get into the site, but I just can't, yeah, I can't log in and, and their operating system is down. I can't even order it over the phone if I wanted to. So uh, that is the pro- that's the problem right now. I don't can expect this to continue with the site, but here we are. And um, I, so I actually have some questions as far as, uh, I, I, as far as like what I should get. I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if you had anything that you wanted to like, kind of get out there before we start. Before I start asking selfish questions about what I need. Did you guys have anything you wanted to say about this whole thing, or is it just you know? Can I just start asking personal questions? Well, I, I, if you don't mind, I, I have a question, Todd. Uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> yes. I keep forgetting <laughs> to ask people what they're drinking because I'm never drinking anything. So. What are you guys drinking? What are you drinking, John? Oh, you, you want to go second? Well, you know, normally I would have a huge, you know, which is the potato vodka grapefruit juice, but not today. Hmm. Today I've opened up a Frank Family Vineyard Napa Valley Cabernet Savion 2011, and I'm sipping that. Now, 2011 wasn't a great year in California, a little cold, a little cloudy, um, but it's good wine. Sounds fancy. Oh, sounds delicious, man. Oh, it is très bien. And Todd, uh, what about you? Well, I, I'm not as much of a connoisseur as my friend and colleague John Young, but I am inspired by our last conversation where he talked at length about potato vodka. He did. And grape juice, grapefruit juice. And so I am actually uh, drinking out of a Hampton in cup <laughs> some cream of potato soup. Really? <laughs> heated, <laughs> heated in the Hampton Inn microwave, and it's just tasty. It's thick. It's oh. progresso, and oh. it's the best. <laughs> oh well. Speaking of healthcare, I don't know if that's the best option to be drinking right now. But uh, so, all right. So I, I have I have uh, quite a bit of personal questions and selfish questions about this whole thing, but. Um, I know you guys are, are into HSAs and I'm on healthcare.gov. I'm looking at the plans that I'm resp- that I can, that I can have. Uh, how do I know that these are HSA accounts and how do, you know, what do what am I looking for here? Is there a specific word or a way to describe this that I'm not aware of? Well, that's interesting. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little higher level. So there's a number of ways that you can get insurance, right? Mm. So many people get it through their employer. Uh, a lot of your listeners right now going through their employer's open enrollment season, uh, they tend to uh, focus on this time of year. Uh, but as an individual, which I think where we're focusing today, uh, individual insurance, if you are looking for a subsidy, 
from the government, and there are certain income limits, you have to go through healthcare.gov in order to get the subsidy. If you're not eligible for a subsidy, there's nothing that says you have to go through healthcare.gov. Uh, many of the same choices that you would have out there uh, are the same if you go through another kind of site like an e-health insurance or a gravy or some other uh, types of, uh, of sites that are out there and may even be more choices out there than what is uh, offered through the healthcare.gov site. So right. let me pause there. Uh, John, anything to add to that? Yeah, there's these things called web-based entities, WBEs, and the ACA allowed the creation of these things, and, and basically they have, they have access to, you know, programs that are, quote, on exchange, you know, the, the, the subsidized plans on healthcare.gov, for example, uh, but they do more. They give a better customer experience. Um, and, and Matt, maybe that's the route you should go if going directly to healthcare.gov is a little problematic. Well, it's problematic now. I, I'm, like, I'm on and I can see the plans. I'm viewing them. I just can't purchase them right now. You know, because the, those web-based entities can do more than just show you or help you first determine if you have a subsidy, but it can do even more. They can give you access to advisors to talk you through some options. But it's, uh, it's difficult, and I think Todd would agree, that just going straight through healthcare.gov is going to show you which plans are HSA qualified. And, and when you say that, that Todd and I like HSA qualified plans, I'd say that we love them. We love them like a fat kid loves free pie. So we, we think it's a good idea to know that you can get a plan that you, you know, that, that allows you to open one of these things up. Okay, so I'm actually looking now, and I see an AmeriHealth New Jersey that has the word H.S.A, Community Advantage, in the title. That's what I'm looking right. for, right? Well, yeah, that's, that's really the, on, the, on the public exchange, unfortunately, the federally run public exchange, which uh, both of your states are operating under, both Illinois and, and uh, New Jersey are among the 36 states that are uh, letting the federal government run the exchange. There is no, other than the plans that have the name, HSA in the name, there is no way to search for an HSA uh, qualified plan. Uh, some of the states, like our home state of Minnesota, does actually have a button, and most of these web-based entities uh, that John is talking about will allow you to search for HSA-qualified plans that allow you to also open up an HSA and put money uh, away tax-free. I see. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about the income limits. So, I mean, the, the, the reason you need to go on healthcare.gov, where it's the only choice in order to get the government subsidies is like if you want to get the expanded Medicaid, your income would have to be less than $16,105 for an individual or $32,913 for a family of four. And there's about maybe wow. a third of the states that have uh, expanded Medicaid through Obamacare and uh, where it just almost covers everybody, right? But that's one way to, go th uh, to get your Medicaid is going through healthcare.gov. If you're in a federal or, or state-run exchange, you may be eligible for a subsidy if your income is, is above that. And so if you're an individual, 16105 to almost $47,000, uh, you may get a uh, subsidy through Obamacare. And for a family of four, those numbers are 
32,913 to 95,000. So, mm. I mean, it's, you know, you can have a fairly high income and get a subsidy. And the only way you can get that subsidy is through Obamacare. If your income is above that, I would not mess with it. You know, go out to one of these other options that'll, that'll give you better options, better service, um, you know, a more robust website. They've obviously been working on having the thing be up and running, which it had a hard time last year. Uh, most of that effort has been around just getting the thing to work, not on the customer experience itself. Right. Now, I've heard that if you, if I, like for me, I don't have health insurance right now and I did not sign up in March. So I'm going to pay a penalty this year. But I heard if you don't sign up this time, the penalty is actually getting jacked up. That's right. Is that that is true? Yes. So what is the penalty right now? Well, you're you're uh, you were supposed to get it in 2014, right, Matt? I was supposed to get it in March, yes, and I missed the deadline by one day. Yeah. Yeah. The the um, Todd, do you have the uh, the financial penalty for the 2014? Penalty is- uh, as low as $95 up to 1% of your income. And it's my understanding it's only collected through um, tax refunds. Right. I heard that too. Not uh, they, they won't ever send you a bill, but if you have a, have a refund, they'll take it out of that. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. uh, depend on the income. Of course, nothing's simple with this thing. <laughs> no. Uh, but, uh, well, but this year it's it's uh, ninety five bucks. I think next year it goes up to something like three ninety five. Oof. So I'm I'm wondering if it's cheaper for me to pay the penalty than it is to get health insurance. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be evaluating those types of things, and you know the whole intent of this law was to give people access that the large number of uninsured. Uh, Americans could have access without any kind of restriction to, you know, to health insurance. And the the, the interesting point of, of, of this is whether or not the young immortal millennials are going to, in fact, say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing, get insurance just in case, um, or if they're going to avoid it or ignore it. And of course, there's that penalty if they ignore it and avoid it. Uh, and if they don't, if they do the, you know, if they do the thing that, that, uh, the law is intending and the kind of the thing that's kind of right in, in sort of protecting our lives against big risks like this mm-hmm. is they're going to evaluate the options and they're probably going to pick, um, the lower cost options, which are generally going to be the ones that are HSA qualified. So I'm looking right now at an HSA qualified EPO and I noticed that there's, three types of plans I can choose from, and I'm, there may be more, but I have HS, HMO, PS, POS, and EPO. What are the differences there? Well, I can, I can answer that one, Todd, if you don't mind. So, I know what the POS is. So <laughs> basically, let, let me just apologize on behalf of the entire insurance industry to all of your listeners that we do a really bad job of talking straight, and, and we have all these initials, and we have all this jargon, and it's 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 very confusing. And and right now there is you know, frankly, there's studies out there that show only 14% of Americans understand simple terms like deductible, coinsurance, copayments, out-of-pocket maximum. So when they look at these names and they look at these initials, of course it's going to be confusing. 
And EPO stands for an exclusive provider organization. And what that means basically is that if you pick that option, you are in fact selecting a plan that has a limited provider network, meaning mm. a limited number of doctors and hospitals. And a POS is a point of service election, meaning that often in these in enrollment, you are se you're selecting which health system, uh, doctor, hospital, you know, doctor for the most part that you're going to select your, getting your your primary care from. And what about a H HMO? Because I still don't know what that is. Yeah, an HMO health maintenance organization is kind of a similar thing. Some are open panel, some are closed panel, some require you to pick a doctor uh, when you enroll, that sort of thing. It, it's interesting. People will trade when they elect coverage for themselves and their family. They will trade like freedom and access to everyone for lower premiums. And that's why you'll see an increasingly, you know, an increased number of options on exchange and off exchange that limit your doctors and hospitals because frankly insurers in an effort to keep costs down are only showing the ones that are efficient and lower cost and the ones that are less efficient and higher cost don't get to be on the list All right. which is an interesting part of consumerism if you ask me yeah cuz i'm i'm seeing i i have access to like 40 epos uh, two POSs and only eight HMOs. So yeah, EPO is obviously outranking all of them, or there's more of them than most because they are the limited amount of providers. But the limited amount of providers, they're they're going after like the cheaper, the effective ones. And yeah, um, it's also I, called a narrow network. You hear a lot of uh, noise about narrow networks. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Now there's one. There's all right. So I'm looking at one. The only one on this list are on this 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 one page that I've looked at so far has an HSA in the title, right? So that's great. And it's $145 estimated a month, which I can totally afford. And deductible is at $2,500, which actually isn't that bad. And the, the problem that I see here, the, dedu the deductible, from what I understand, and this is where I have the question, it says my primary doctor is a $25 copay after deductible. So does that mean every time I go see a doctor because I have the sniffles, I got to pay $2,500 plus $25? Uh, did you guys miss the end of that question? I did. All right. So does that mean, like it says, my primary doctor has a $25 copay after deductible. Does that mean if I have the sniffles, I have to pay $2,500 to see a general practitioner? So you're getting an HSA qualified plan. So you've got the, you know, the deductible with all the expenses rolled up underneath it, but then they're going to a copay? Right. So it says, co it says $25 copay after deductible. Ah. Uh. I'm so yeah, that's sorry. Un that's unusual. So what does that mean? Well, first that of all, it means the, it means oh, the insurer is, is schizophrenic. First of all, you know, co-pays are the antichrist. That's the thing that got us away from understanding the true cost, cost of health care. And to have co-pays in a plan, I know it's convenient. I know everyone wants them. But the whole... The whole idea of HSAs is to get people connected to the real cost of healthcare and to help them understand that they had options, that they could pick and choose, that they would be more prudent about their choices. And the minute you go to a copay after you reach that deductible, who cares? It's 25 bucks. Doesn't matter if it's a $400 charge. And that's no way to keep costs down. 
So, so does, I don't understand the $25 copay after deductible. Does that mean, like I said, if I have the sniffles and I go see my regular family doctor, it's going to cost me $2,500 plus $25? It's going to cost the first $2,500 of healthcare expenses are going to be not covered. So, this is why you would want to put money into an HSA so that when you had expenses, you could pay for those expenses with tax-free dollars. The minute you and your family reach $2,500 of expenses, then the next doctor visit is a $25 copay. Oh, so I'm, I, then I, I don't understand what a deductible is then. So you might have to explain what a deductible is. You must be one of those 86% of the, the, the people that, 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 uh, that didn't understand, man. Oh, cool. I, find, I fall on the average. You, yes. In the majority. Yes, yes you're in the majority. Um, a deductible, okay, is, is basically, think of any time you need to use, uh, if you're in there, deductible basically means you have no coverage. The, you, the, any kind of healthcare expense you have for healthcare expenses and prescription drugs in an HSA qualified plan are going to be your responsibility out of pocket from you until you reach that deductible and then you're covered. Then you've got your insurance coverage on top of that i oh god damn it so <laughs> all right that totally makes sense so i basically have a 2500 dollars bank every year every year yes oh, okay but, so, but, but, but matt right but hang on matt this is a good thing you know why because you're going to start caring about how you consume healthcare expenses because you you it's like being at a you know it's like a grocery store if 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 you walked into a grocery store and they said yeah pay us 25 bucks at the door and take anything you want, you know, you'd be loading up your grocery cart full of filet mignon and all sorts of all the expensive stuff. Or Vicodin you know? and whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and <laughs> but now, since you've got that upfront kind of responsibility as a customer, you are going to be more prudent about the choices you make. Right. So I'm paying $145 a month so I can pay for my doctor. Yes. Well, you're paying in case you get in a car wreck, okay. in case you get cancer, so that you don't lose everything you've got and more likely everything your parents have to keep you alive because you didn't have insurance, right? So this is for, like, it's insurance. It's for a catastrophe. Um, and then the day-to-day -day stuff, you're going to pay out of your own pocket. Mm. But which I already do. Have, right, which you already do. But what you don't have today is protection for some sort of catastrophic event, like a car wreck or something that might uh, keep you in the hospital for a month and rack up uh, half a million dollars worth of bills. I understand. And then if I, if I go with this plan that has an HSA, any money that I put in that HSA I can use for medical expenses and it's tax-free. Yes, and the money you put into it is tax-free and it grows tax-free. It's amazing. So it, it, HSA, it grows in the H, HSA? I know. I know. We talked about this before, but like, um, um, now I at the time I, I couldn't even get health insurance. Now I actually can, and it's like I I have like a ton of questions. Right. Yeah. So so let me just give a little history on uh, HSAs and the public exchange. Okay. We were somewhat concerned as an industry that this experiment that's been growing leaps and bounds might be stalled or even killed with this whole thing. You know, on purpose, accidentally, who knows? You right? mean Obamacare, right? Obamacare, okay. yes. ACA, or the Patient Protection and Accountable Care Act is yeah. the official name of it. Okay. Um, the, um, 
what I, I did a study last this time last year of all the federally run exchanges, those 36 states that the feds run, and I found that, uh, in, to our, my pleasant surprise, about 20% of the options on the, HSA, on the exchange were HSA qualified. Uh, there was some concern, especially with Massachusetts, which was the model. There's almost no HSAs sold in Massachusetts, and we thought we might be kind of squeezed out, but we weren't. Uh, the other good news is that HSA plans are among the cheapest, usually not the cheapest though, because there's a thing called catastrophic plans we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, but um, generally about 10-11% cheaper uh, last year. The problem is what you've found is that not all HSA plans have HSA in the name and there's no way to search for them. So many people may be buying HSA plans and not even know they have one. Right. right? Now, in the first year, about 85% of the people who went to the public exchange went there to get a subsidy. Uh, so they may, you know, those low-income numbers that I gave you earlier, they may not have enough, you know, to put money in because there's no employer here that's going to put money in, which is often the case in an HSA-qualified plan that the employer will take some of their savings and seed that account to give you some uh, resources to pay some of those out-of-pocket expenses. That's when it works best, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't know exactly how many people chose HSA plans, uh, how many people opened up accounts. It was kind of all just left a chance. They're, uh, unlike on some of these other entities that uh, John was talking about, the private exchanges, um, where they actually help you and figure out what's the best kind of plan for you. And when you choose an HSA qualified plan, they say, hey, do you want to open up an HSA? You know, in some cases, they make it really easy for you, not all cases. But uh, in this case, if you choose an HSA qualified plan, they don't even know it. And they just throw it over the wall to the insurance company. And maybe they mention an account, maybe they don't. Right. So if you're, if you're above those income limits that I was talking about earlier, I would find another way to get your insurance besides healthcare.gov because the main reason healthcare.gov is so slow and, and uh, onerous is that they're going out to all these government sites to find out whether you qualify for a subsidy. So they're hitting the, the Medicare, Medicaid, the, the um, IRS, the uh, uh, seeing if you're on, um, you know, getting uh, uh, benefit, unemployment benefits, all kinds of things that none of these systems talk to each other. And they basically don't want to quote you a price until they found out whether they're going to give you a subsidy. And Got so it. that was really part of the problem. And you can just avoid all that stuff. And they're going to ask you a bunch of personal questions. I went through it last year just to kind of check it out. And it was just like, I don't want to send all this information to the government. I know I'm not going to get a subsidy anyway. And so I just abandoned the thing back December 15th and went and got my insurance through a local broker. Um, in interestingly enough, I got a letter in October saying, hey, you never filled out that thing, you know, the rest of the information. Uh, if you don't act fast, you might lose your opportunity. Nine months later, I mean, that's how screwed up this thing was. Mm. But um, but if you need a subsidy, I mean, it's a good deal. My son did the same thing, and he got a, a call nine months later, and it just turned out that he had just had his insurance canceled and needed it and got a subsidized rate, and it was a sweet deal. So he went ahead and did it. Mm. Um, but it, it was not a good experience, and uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit better this year. Uh, I would hope so. It would be hard to be worse than what the experience was last year. But it sounds like from your early experience that maybe not all the things <laughs> out yet. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, catastrophic uh, plans, and I'm the first one on the list here is a catastrophic EPO, which is estimated at $114 a month. Again, something I could totally afford. Uh, but the deductibles much higher. Higher, but there's no charge after the deductibles. 
but it has right. but there's so no that, a, there's no HSA attached to it. And that's aimed at people 30 and under. Mm. Okay? Not me. Um, however, yeah, they opened it yeah, wide open this, to a This is really important. Really important to pay attention to what about Todd's what Todd's about to say. Yeah, so basically they have this catastrophic plan, this kind of young invincible plan you'll sometimes hear it called. It's for people 30 and under. Although they opened it wide open to anyone who had had their insurance canceled last year, so I don't know if that how long that lasts. Um, but uh, but basically, the problem with this from an HSA perspective, you would think this would be a perfect kind of plan for a young person who just wants catastrophic coverage in case they get in a car wreck. Uh, the problem is they added in to be in the catastrophic plan. You had to get three free office visits. So you could go to the doc three times for free for any reason. The problem was from an HSA perspective is if you give any kind of free care under the deductible, it, you can't put money into the account. So those catastrophic plans, which should be HSA qualified, are not. Hmm. Just another example of how this stuff just doesn't quite make sense when you put it all together. Um, it's something that we as an industry have been talking to the government about fixing, but right now it's, it'll be interesting to see whether anything actually gets fixed or not uh, with the new Congress coming in. Right, and that's the other question I wanted to ask is should I just uh, – do I have anything to worry about with the new Congress coming in? Like why – should I even sign up for this shit? <laughs> to, be put, to put it bluntly? So, Personally, so, I think you could have insurance in case you get in a car wreck. Sure, of course. <laughs> and that doesn't, you know, nothing's going to change in the short run, I don't think. They may, you know, it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen with the new Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're actually going to try to fix it, if they're going to just fight and try to, you know, get rid of the whole thing. Obviously, the president is not going to let go of his signature. Uh, All that his, easy, yeah. You know, health legacy if he if he can help it. And uh, so I think it's more likely they'll start debating certain aspects of the law. Um, starting with things that won't affect you at all, like medical device tax, and and uh, but perhaps the individual and uh, employer mandate, uh, which is that penalty that you were talking about earlier, that's possible that that could could uh, be debated and uh, sent to uh, to President Obama with a uh, with enough of a enough votes to to pass it, even if he vetoes it. I don't think so, but uh, we'll find out. Okay, so I'm, what I'm thinking is. I had the choice between going with a $114 estimated monthly premium, which has no H HSA, or a $145 estimated monthly premium with an HSA. Do you think mm -hmm. that extra, what is it, 35 bucks, 30 bucks, um, is worth paying just to have an HSA? Depends on your tax bracket. So you take that uh, um, uh, up to $3,300 of uh, tax-free deposit, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of tax savings you would, you would get from that, and does that offset the extra cost of that higher premium? It does not, because I actually, for me personally, I mean, I don't know about it for everybody out there, but for me, I'm in a pretty low tax bracket. So that's the kind of math you need to do. Okay. So I know, like, I'm, I think I'm paying my tax bracket in 2015, or, you know, for 2014 will be, I think, 15%, because I make under $50,000 a year uh, at, you know, so I think um, it, it makes sense for me to just go with the lower premium for now. And then I can always change it right at some point for another enrollment period. 
Once a year, yeah. Okay, so I can. So if I get to a point where my income is higher, and I want to open up an HSA to you know maybe drop my drop the tax bracket a little a little bit, or at least just to save on taxes in general, uh, that might be something I might want to move over to. Okay, exactly. so I'm going to just um, insert myself here and say that we're we're looking at a thirty five dollar difference in premium a month, Matt. Well, one one fourteen to one forty five. It's like thirty. Okay, so let's let's talk about you know you know how much money do you have to put aside before federal, before state, and before social security mm-hmm. that makes up for that thirty dollars a month. And I'm going to say let's let's just say it's uh, two hundred bucks. Okay, just let's say it's two hundred bucks. Um. You can put this money, you can put 200 bucks aside into an HSA and the tax savings of putting that money aside um, will overcome the additional premium cost. Plus now you have a bunch of money that you can keep rolling forward to help with healthcare expense, and any other expense, actually, uh, long term. It, it, and, and this is the thing. I believe. I guess this is my soundbite for the day. I believe millennials will change healthcare. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think any other generation will. I think millennials will because millennials do not like the word no. And I'm on the young end of boomers, and uh, my son is a millennial. Love him to death, but he's he's the guy who's going to influence a change in an industry that is so inefficient like healthcare. And if you think long term, not just year after year after year, uh, because Matt, that's how you've been describing it, really. It's like, okay, what do I do this year? What do I do next year? You know, healthcare doesn't follow a tax year. It's, It's our whole life. And if you're able to put money aside now that grows tax free for a long, long time, Mm You 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 probably are going to benefit more than taking the catastrophic plan in this year. Now I'm not a tax advisor, and you might want to talk to somebody. And you know they're like those web-based entities, like GoHealthInsurance.com might be a good place to go. They actually give you access to advisors at no cost. That hmm. uh, and other web-based entities do the same type of thing. Uh, eHealth Insurance I'm sure does the same type of uh, type of thing, perhaps. Well, and- and Matt, I just did the math. The thirty-three fifty is the uh, is the individual. Uh, you're you're not married, right? No. Yeah. So thirty-three fifty is your limit for two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. If you are in a fifteen percent tax bracket, that's five hundred and two dollars and and fifty cents of savings that's, on the federal. Which, yeah, that's good. Which that's which makes up for your, your. That's more that, than your difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 why I'm pointing this out. Exactly. If you're better so if you're, off, and if you're married, like Andrew, you've got a sixty-six fifty that you can put away uh, tax-free. Right, right. Interesting. So, Matt, another another reason why to get married. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> worth. It. Yeah, it's also worth it to have a kid, right? I should do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you, bud. Uh, Andrew, do you have any questions about any of this stuff? Because I know that you get health insurance through your employer. You know, so uh, I, I don't think for me Obamacare makes sense because uh, I, I earn and, and it, it winds up being more expensive the more you make. But I guess 
I was curious, not so much on like the the face of like, you know, forty dollar copay after deductible for primary doctor, blah blah blah, but uh, some of the details into the plan because that actually gives me anxiety. You know, I'm looking at the face, where I, and I understand, you know, the copay, I understand the deductible, but this whole like brochure with details, like how do I know if I'm not getting screwed? you know, without having to be a doctor? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think this is where, again, millennials are going to change healthcare. They're not going to stand for the way insurance companies have treated, you know, normal people and, and used insurance speak. They're going to want plain language. They're going to want help. And that's why these organizations like, you know, Go Health uh, at GoHealthInsurance.com or, or E, you know, Gravy, for example, and, and other organizations that cater to the individual plan and the individual coverage and let them help them understand whether or not they've got access to a subsidy, you know, find products that are, can be, you know, appropriate to themselves or their families, that sort of thing, uh, might be the, the, like the, the, the first wave of support, you know, for people looking to get insurance coverage, find someone to help you, you know, I, it's okay to do that. And then when you finally get your legs, you, you're, now, now you don't need that kind of help. That you know, you don't need that advisor. You can just go online and pick. Well, all right. So, uh, I'm I'll be thirty in uh, like a week or two, and, and I'm relatively healthy, or I'm pretty healthy. You know, I don't foresee anything terrible. Should I be so concerned with the the details in these brochures and? and you know, their grids and stuff like that? Or is it more for extreme edge case stuff? Like if I get, if I am personally pregnant, pregnant as like the only man <laughs> yeah. in the world. Yeah. Junior. <laughs> like Arnold so, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So, I, I'd be mostly concerned with your total out of pocket and what your deductible is. Right. So how much do you know you're going to have to pay if you do have an event and what's the maximum you're going to pay? And that's one of the, the positive things about Obamacare is that it put an out a, a, a uh, maximum out of pocket on everything sold through there that hasn't been grandfathered. Sure, uh, there's a bunch of things that are grandfathered. But interestingly enough, what's the maximum out of pocket? It's the same as what the HSA had. So they uh, actually adopted the HSA maximum out of pocket. If I was to go to AskMrHSA.com and look up what's the individual maximum out of pocket for this year, it's sixty-four fifty. So that's the most you can pay in any kind of event. So if you got cancer or you got in a car wreck and we're in the hospital for two months, the most you can pay out of pocket for in-network. And so that's where that narrow network thing is. The other thing you got to watch is make sure you go to a hospital that you're covered under. Right. Otherwise, those out-of-pocket mm. maximums don't apply. Yeah, which you don't have a choice when they're helicoptering you from a car wreck. <laughs> right. Right. Or after a few old fashions, Andrew, if you decide to juggle, you know, chainsaws. Yeah, they're not going to medevac you to the hospital of, of in your network. You're going to be like, wait, what yeah. network? <laughs> Is this the right network? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. But generally, people find on these kinds of plans, at first they're kind of scary, but generally people find they have more control over the day-to-day healthcare stuff than they think they're going to have. And, uh, and that all comes with becoming a consumer of healthcare, asking the right questions, 
Um, and unfortunately, it means getting insurance. And when, you know, especially when you start having a family, start having kids, start having babies, uh, things start changing, and you you uh, get educated on that stuff pretty quick. Especially if you're spending your own money. If you're spending someone else's money, who cares? Mm-hmm. R- real quick, uh, you know, now because I'm, I'm kind of churning through it. Uh, you know, if your estimated deductible is twenty five hundred, and the estimated out of pocket maximum is sixty six hundred. Is that just your deductible plus your monthly premiums, and then that's that? Or, like, I'm I'm guessing your premium doesn't count towards the out-of-pocket. So where do they come up with that gap? Yeah, Andrew, Andrew, that's a great question. And 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 basically, you know, the first twenty-five hundred dollars counts against that out-of-pocket, and the rest of it is related to the co-insurance, or in Matt's example, the copay. Um, well, I have co-insurance that, too for emergency room and generic drugs. Right. You know, what, whatever you're paying out of pocket after you reach that deductible is it, if it loops up beyond, you know, to $6,600, then the insurance company will cover all expenses after that. So I would, I would literally have to be going to the doctor like multiple times every week after the deductible to even hit that maximum. Right. Well, right. if you, you continue to juggle those chainsaws, dude, after the old fashions, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, or, or or a major car wreck or something, or in Andrew's case, a train wreck because you don't drive a car. That's uh, right. That's right. But, I only drive trains. You only yeah. drive trains. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I see. So, all right. So what I'm so what I'm understanding or what I think I'm leaning towards here for for me personally is to go with an HSA account. Uh, with a hundred and forty-five dollar estimated monthly premium, although when I actually log in and get my shit, it'll probably be like one seventy-five or something, or probably two thousand four hundred dollars a month. Um, whatever, whatever it's going to be. It's I know they say estimated, and they want the they're going to show the lowest amount possibly estimated based on what I already gave them, and I'm sure it won't be that. I'm sure there'll be something else on top of that, but I don't know until I sign up. Right, and then and then you know, just to be clear, the the most you could pay on an individual plan in 2015 is 6450. Yeah, for a family, it's 12,900. Which you know what is actually really not that bad if you get in such a you know a, a major major issue. That's it, it's it really not. And plus, you can use the HSA money to pay for that. Exactly. Right, and well, you know, I'm sorry, Todd. No, I was just going to relate a conversation I've had with my millennial. Which is if you get in a car wreck and you don't have insurance, guess what? Me and mom have to decide whether we're going to ruin our financial future to keep you alive or whether we have to pull the plug. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's really the way to think about it. Yeah. Because you don't got nothing. Right. <laughs> right. You know, but honestly, what you and Andrew have together, Matt, I mean, you guys can just place something out on your website and say, hey, chopped off an arm. And uh, need some help. Yeah. People, people <laughs> to donate us money. <laughs> <laughs> to Matt, Matt's bionic arm fund. Yeah. Like, I got, <laughs> I, I got medevac to the wrong hospital. Please send money. Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter. And please, please also drive me home because I yeah. can't pay for a cab. Yeah. I, I, I have one last, like, uh, uh, devil's advocate for you guys. Um, why would I not want an HSA? Like, like, when would it make sense for me to not do that? Or, or is that question. just like a crazy risk-adverse person who has like, I don't know. Tell me. Yeah. So let, when you are looking at the universe of options available to you and 
it's, it's not just about the premium. It's also about what you're expected to incur in medical expense. And when you, when you put those two things together, sometimes people with high utilization or very expensive drugs will find that the options available to them that are not HSA qualified might be better for them, bottom line. That right. the premium plus the out-of-pocket under those types of arrangements are more suitable or lower cost than the potential risk that occurs when somebody buys an HSA qualified plan. So it's it, it it's an important little step and it's it's not something people are used to, but it's an important step. Is that when people are looking at options, they have to ask, okay, I don't want to throw out there what my potential risk is. What's my what's my reasonable risk? on these types of things. What am I really using the doctor for? And like Todd, Todd pointed out for Matt's situation, you know, the, the difference in the tax savings makes up for the difference in the premium for the HSA qualified plan. That might be true for many of your listeners that the HSA qualified plan, even though it's a little bit more expensive is a better deal. But for those of your listeners that have high, Levels of utilization. Meaning medical expenses, right? Healthcare needs. They, they yeah. might want to do a richer plan, which is not HSA qualified. Right. Todd? Right. And I would say um, the other thing is if you are truly very, very low income and you don't have, you know, you're not paying taxes and you don't have a dime to put in this account, then it doesn't really matter, right? Um, you've got to be able to fund the account. And if, you know, if you're eligible for Medicaid and they're going to give it to you for you know, 25 bucks a month, then take that right mm-hmm. um, to, to to get covered. But if you have some income and some and are paying some taxes, I think the math works out pretty good. And then you've got that those dollars in your account. And remember, once those dollars are in the account, you've got the rest of your life to spend that. You can you can let it grow tax free. You can put it in mutual funds. You can you can let that money grow over time for a time when you will have expenses. When you got those kids running around. When you're getting you know near retirement or in in uh, in retirement and uh, things are the costs are going up. So uh, that would be the only other time I would say that it just wouldn't make sense if you just have no income at all to put in the account. Then you're just getting you know, the HSA qualification doesn't really matter much. Okay. And I want to, I want to ask one more thing too, is, uh, that an HSA lasts forever, right? It does not, you know, the money does not disappear every year. So, so that's an FSA, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Because I had a a conversation with a, a friend of mine who is a doctor and uh, told me that I should not go with an HSA because I would lose my money every year. And I had to- tried to explain to him that that, that, that yeah. was an FSA. And I wanted to make sure I was correct in that in stating that. That person needs to listen to your radio program <laughs> because you're absolutely correct. <laughs> okay. So I just want to make sure to, to let everybody know that uh, if anyone's told that you're you that. you're correct. Yeah. H- that I am right and I am, <laughs> I am king. No, but this – the yes. idea that uh, an HSA is like a account that is yours. It's a it's an investment account, right? Exactly. Okay. And it's, I, it's your money and the whole that's that's the brilliant piece to this thing. Yeah. It goes where you go. Cause your listeners for the most part are gonna change employers, they're gonna have different life circumstances, different right. life stages. They can keep this money and, and as long as they have a plan that's qualified for them to 
put money into these HSAs, they can continue to do so. Now, what if now? Okay, so now here I go again. What if uh, you have an HSA with your current plan, and then you switch to another plan that doesn't offer an HSA? Is that HSA screwed at that point? Yeah. What you do is you the first thing you do your listener that does that mm-hmm. goes to me. an employer that doesn't have an HSA. They walk into HR and say, "Hey, look, I want an HSA, please." You know, I got to tell you that that is very powerful when employees start, you know, Asking. basically leveraging their need for these types of accounts. Employers will listen and but, they will they will actually respond. Right. But it, yeah. And that money is sitting in your account. So you don't have to spend it. You can keep it there. If you regain uh, HSA qualified insurance at a later date, you can start contributing again. And as long as you keep that account open during that time period, all the medical expenses that you have uh, incurred during that time, you can go back and fund your HSA and reimburse yourself for all that money that you've been paying out of pocket. I understand. Weren't on an HSA. But basically, what I'm what I'm thinking is that, or what I'm asking is that, if if you have an HSA for a while and you fund it, say there's six thousand dollars in there, and then you switch over to an account that does not offer an HSA, is that just the HSA just get frozen? Yes. Nope. Well, nope. It, well, you can spend it. You, you can, can use spend it, money but you out just without... can't put money in it. You oh, you can. Oh, okay. I, all right. That makes sense. Yeah. So the money is there. Once it goes into the HSA, it can be used for qualified medical expenses for you, for your spouse, and your current tax dependents for the rest of your life. Got it. It doesn't matter. You can, you can have no coverage. You can have any kind of coverage to take money out. Got it. It's just you have to have the right kind of coverage to put money in tax-free. Got it. Makes sense. I love it. All right. Guys, thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, do you guys, what do you, what do you want to promote here? What's the, what's the best thing that they can, well, people can find you? Let me just, may I just say that you should buy Todd's book. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a dear friend of mine and I, I've known him for years and he writes some, some pretty compelling things that can help your listeners understand their HSAs and uh, help them make the most of them. And if you need to get in touch with me, uh, John Young, you can look at my website, which is consumerdriven.com. And Todd? Yep. And then I've got that free uh, website called Ask Mr. HSA for people who have questions of any type on HSAs. We even explain the differences between FSAs and HSAs, that whole kind of confusing topic. Right. Um, but uh, it's out there. It's, I just revamped it. Uh, you can find the book out there. But both John and I do a lot of work with companies in this in this space, with companies that are thinking of adopting these kinds of plans with brokers, et cetera, to, just to help them through some of the uh, difficult uh, uh uh, difficult waters because there are a lot of rules and regulations, but if, once you figure it out, it's really a fabulous thing. Cool. Thank you guys again for being on. Thank you. And uh, Todd, go finish your soup. Yep, I'm back in. All right, excellent. <laughs> and finish your wine, John. You are, or unless you're done. Yeah, I've, I've got a third of the bottle drank already. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Matt, that you didn't you didn't up on this yeah, one, but Andrew, I I, cheers to you. Cheers. Thanks, man. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, listen. Uh, if you have questions about this, I'm sure you're going to have questions, especially if you need to get this sort of stuff. You can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And I want to point out that uh, we are, we are, you might have heard at the beginning of our show that we have sponsors coming on, and we would like to get more sponsors of the show so we can keep the lights on here at Listen Money Matters. Uh, and in order to do that, we need some information from you guys, and we'd like you to go to listenmoneymatters.com slash survey, and it'll take you, how long will it take, Andrew, to fill out the survey? 
Uh, so the average person, it has taken them five and a half minutes. To five and a half. That's actually not that short. Okay, but five and a half minutes is not that bad either. It'll help us out tremendously. It'll help out. It, it's 16 questions. Most of them are multiple choice. There's two that are open-ended. So okay. maybe most of the time is people really, you know, thinking. <laughs> really contemplating want. whether they're. Yeah, meaning okay. of life. Yeah, and, and everything's anonymous. So if you go onto the survey and you fill it out, you don't have to fill out, you know, we don't know who you are. Uh, but we we're, we're, what we need is the information in order to uh, go to some advertisers and let them know who's listening to the show. And we also like to know who's listening to the show and what you guys are all about out there and get a sense of uh, who's out there. Because right now, all we know is that you're a downloader. That's it. Oh. <laughs> Besides the emails that Andrew uh, does and the Facebook and tweet- tweeters that I do. Also, I just want to say that uh, if if you want to sponsor the show or you know someone that does or you have like this crazy idea on how like we can collaborate and do just some awesome shit, email us, yeah. please. Like email. we're we're open to some crazy stuff. Yeah, because we're crazy. It's listen money matters at gmail.com. And uh, subscribe to the show. Go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, go on whatever app you use to listen to us and hit subscribe. And that way you go on an episode downloaded every day to your to your app or whatever, uh, and that's at 6 o'clock every single morning here on the East Coast. And uh, leave a review if you really like the show on iTunes or Stitcher, and I'm going to read a review from DeFlemos. And DeFlemos is from Brazil. Brazil. And he, or he or she, I don't know, actually, um, is... Uh, the title of his is Listen, Ma- Listen Money Matters in Brazil, five stars. Hey, I am from Brazil. I didn't know that. And started listening to the podcast about one month ago. So far, loving it. Not everything is applicable to our economics, but overall concepts are very useful. I am working myself to clean up on my debts, and Brazilian interest rates are way higher than what I hear you guys talking about. So it is an important matter. Next step, investing. Too bad we don't have betterment, but I'll find something similar. Also, our banking system... Even being really modern does not allow tools like Mint, probably safety reasons. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Well, that was awesome. From Brazil. We have listeners That's everywhere, man. This is, world, this is worldwide shit going on here. <laughs> uh, check out our toolbox, which has all of the resources that we mentioned here on the show at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. I want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Betterment for being our very first sponsor. And hopefully there'll be a lot more and they'll continue to sponsor the show. So thank you to Betterment. And that's it. Thanks again, Todd and John, for being on the show. Thanks again, Andrew. Thanks again for everybody hanging out with us. And of course, we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man. Tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 